honor. We worship you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty God, the Prince of peace. Lord, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen. And Lord, I thank you that we do see you fulfilling your promises in our life, Lord. Father, we just lift this day up to you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. Thank you that every word that comes from my mouth, Father God, will be a word from you. And we'll be anointed and we'll bring about what they are supposed to accomplish. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for this day, Lord. We just lift this day up to you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Amen. Every day is the day that the Lord has made. No matter what it looks like outside, no matter if you like cold weather, hot weather, in between weather, or whatever, <laughs> God made it. And you know what? The good thing is that God, through all these years now, He gave us. When it's hot outside, we can be cool inside. When it's cool outside, we can be warm inside. So he's blessed us in so many ways. We can even be warm riding down the road. Some of our um, ancestors would, wouldn't know what to do, right? They wouldn't know what to do. And uh, praise the Lord. I just want to take one moment and I want to just pray for, I want to pray for the Clark family. Most of you should know, but Robert's grandma went on to be with Jesus this Friday morning, and um, the family was with her, and you know what, it's, it's um, you know, we, we hate to, we miss our loved ones, but, you know, praise the Lord, they're with Jesus, and when we know that, it gives us comfort and peace, and so I want to pray for the Clark family, also I want to pray for the Hibbets family as they've lost their grandson, and let's just lift these two families up. Father, we just thank you for Robert and his commitment to this church, and we thank you for his family and for Rick and Jackie and the whole Clark family. We just lift them up to you. You give them peace. Give them uh, understanding, Lord, and, and just comfort them in this time, Lord Jesus, and let it just be a celebration uh, of her, who she is, was, and Lord, quite, quite a lady that loved you, Lord, and we lift up the Hibbets family to you, and we pray that you would comfort them, Lord, and just give them peace, and we thank you and praise you, Father God, for this, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many know that we, we started last week, no, excuse me, I wasn't here last week. I took a week off and had a great time in Virginia. Got to visit with some old friends and uh, got to visit with my two sisters that live up there and had a great time. It was a good, good time of rest and, and relaxation and, you know, being able to. I went to church last Sunday morning and just sat down and enjoyed it, which not that I don't enjoy it here, but you know what I'm saying. And just been, and it was, it was awesome time. Brought back a lot of good memories and. Just um, it was a great time, and I was showing a couple people pictures of last Thursday morning. I was sitting on the dock of the bay, and my sister lives on one of my sisters lives on Lake Anna in Virginia, which is in northwest of Richmond, and um, she lives in a cove. and The trees were just beautiful, so I was, went out there that morning and had my coffee and 
It was awesome. So I said, I could get used to this, you know. So praise the Lord. I am, last time, we, we, you know, we talk about our, our three-part vision, which is serving, fellowshipping, and growing. And we talked about serving uh, two Sundays ago. And this week, we're going to be talking about fellowshipping. You know, when I see that word, it just looks awkward because it's got two P's in it. It just looks weird to me. And there is actually two ways to spell it from my understanding. And in some places, don't even recognize it as a word. But we're talking about fellowship today. And, um, you know, I was reading some different things on it. And one thing I read says that, I'll just read it. It says, when you ask church members why they stay at a particular church, there really is only one answer. They never say that they stay because of the outstanding preaching or the wonderful music. They don't stay for the teaching or the decorations. They don't stay for the special programs. When you ask people why they stay at church, the overwhelming answer is they stay because of the relationships they have with other members. And it's, that's true, right? Isn't that really true for us? We, we, we stay, um, yeah, we enjoyed it, and hopefully you like me and like the Word. But, but, and you do that, and that's a part of it. But the relationships you make, the fellowship that you have, and um, the last thing they said was people come to a church for a lot of reasons. People stay at a church because of the fellowship. And so fellowship is very important. And, you know, and over the last couple of years, that's been hard, right? And, you know, I think the enemy likes it that way. And, and so he said, but the, the Greek word fellowship is koinonia, koinonia, however you say it. And, you know, we actually have one of our connect groups that's called koinonia, which is fellowship. I want to read just a simple definition so it says participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or receiving what he or she has. So that's fellowship. You come giving and receiving. You come blessing each other. You come to, to just hang out. Don't you like to just hang out sometimes? Sometimes we, we come for this, we come for that, but we come to hang out. And so I'm going to um, just kind of go through a couple, two different veins of what fellowship is about and, 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 you know, why we fellowship and who we fellowship with. And first of all, we're to fellowship with Jesus. If we get that right, fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping with our Savior, it helps us to learn how to fellowship with others. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, in the New King James Version says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, He's a, in, the, in the word, Paul's instructing us, um, God is faithful, and we're called into fellowship with him. We just don't accept Christ, and um, that's it, right? We fellowship with him. Hopefully you do. You know, you, have, you fellowship him. Um, it, it's a very foundational thing is to have fellowship with God. And there's so many different ways. You say, well, how do I fellowship with God? Well, there's lots of ways. And, you know, um, one is through studying his word, right? That's fellowship with God. Jesus is the word. He was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. So when we read the word, we're fellowshipping with God. We're learning more about him. We're understanding how we should do life. Pray. 
communication with God. We pray to God. We pray to Jesus. And that's one other way. And then worshiping him. When we worship God, we're fellowshipping with him. You know, we need to worship um, us. Need to worship him? None of that's up there. Just write, you know, I want you to take some notes. But worship him uh, is one of the ways that we individually worship him. Hopefully, you worship him on an individual basis. But it's also corporately, too. We come together for worship, but we need to learn. If you don't know how to worship him individually, see, I believe the more you do stuff individually, the more you can do stuff corporately. So the more you learn to worship God, then you come into the fellowship and you hear everybody else worship, and it just even builds it up more and more. And so we worship him together. And then the other way we worship is we worship, I mean, we fellowship is with the body of Christ. Fellowships always has been and is still necessary for a Christian to grow. Fellowship is necessary for growth in the church. You know, every, around this statement, I realize every Christian needs to be around others, and I mean other Christians, right? Every Christian needs to surround himself. You know, especially when you first accept Christ, you need to surround yourself with those who are, are like-minded, those who believe in Christ. And that starts you to grow. If you just stay where you're at with all your other friends, and you never get, you'll never grow. And that's why I think some people just kind of fall away because they don't know this principle. Thank God that I learned that principle after I got saved. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if God spoke to me. I'm sure he did. But it's like, you need to find you some new friends. I'm like, man, I've had these friends for all my life. Not that I never communicated with them, but I had to find somebody else to fellowship with, to be with on a regular basis. And I did, and God filled that gap, and, and I began to grow. So we need to be around other, other, other people in the body of Christ. And when we do fellowship, there's some things that fellowship develops in our life. There's some things that fellowship causes first of all fellowship provides growth as we just talked about um when you're fellowshipping and and you know especially when you first come to christ um you know there's something to gain even now when i go with people that's been around with jesus longer than me there's something to gain from people that have been following christ right there's stuff you learn. You learn about this. You learn about that. And then you find out, I'm not the only one that has problems. They still have problems some, but they know how to deal with it. So we need to be around those that have, have, are established in the faith. And they, um, they have wisdom that we can gain from them. They have um, a lot of wisdom. And so I'll say this to us who have been in the faith long and others, we need to remember that because we need to set an example. When somebody comes to fellowship, we need to be able to, they need to see that there's something they can gain from us. And we learn from each other. And you know what? Sometimes the student can even be a teacher. Sometimes you got that young person or that young, not necessarily young in age, but young in the Lord that comes to Christ and you start seeing some stuff. You're like, you know what? 
That ministers to me. Now I remember I, I kind of left that behind. So we learn from each other. The fellowship, we learn from each other. We grow from each other. And we react to each other. It's more than just, um, and it's, it's okay. I got something at the very end that I found this morning. I saw somebody posted. I love the way things work sometimes that I want to read. But I, I want to say this is that, you know, it's hard to fellowship just through the phone, through text, through social media, through watching TV and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to, to really fellowship. God made us a certain way. And I know there are certain situations when that's what you have to do. But we need to learn to fellowship. Also, fellowship provides accountability. You don't like to hear that word, do you? So we need to be accountable and we need to have others in our life to help us be accountable. You know, if when you come to a point when you fellowship with a person <clears throat> long enough, there should be certain people in your life that, that know about you, maybe know some faults that you had in your life, and uh, they can every once in a while say, well, what's going on here? What's happening in your life in this area? You know, because that will spark you into going like, oh, okay. So, and if you know that, guess what? When that rises up, you're going to think more about because you know what? Some, so-and-so is going to come next week and going to say, well, how's that doing? And you're going to be like, uh, <clears throat> right? There's accountability. Because somehow or another, we don't realize our biggest accountability partner is Jesus. And he always knows every little thing that we do, whether we tell him or not. Right? He likes for us to tell him so he can tell us what to do. But, you know, there's, there's those things that happen in our life. There's um, accountability. That's, that's a big thing. There needs to be people in your life. And, you know, hopefully it can be your spouse. They should be one of your biggest accountability partners. And there's some things that, that you, you share with other people. But, you know... We need a checkup. And so fellowship provides accountability. You know, if, you ain't, if you're not here for a while and you get back, everybody says, where you been? What's been going on? How you doing? If it's nothing but the accountability of love, I love you. And then fellowship promotes teamwork. You've heard of teamwork, right? You know, we want to work together. We talk about that in the church a lot of times. We're going to have teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. Well, you know, um, there always needs to be a team effort. And when we're together, guess what? God shows up. Not that he doesn't show up all the time, but in uh, Matthew 18, 20, I'll just quote this to you real quick. It says, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So when we're working together, God's in there Pushing us, showing us what to do, how to do. See, being together and working together creates a team. And you know, we sometimes we 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 have we always have different people that have different giftings, and we kind of try to see that and pull them together, and they can minister in that area because it's all a part of evangelism. It's all a part of reaching out. It's all a part of touching people's lives and discipling people. And we 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 should be drawn to that. It's just like any sports team. If they never saw each other, if they knew, all knew how to do their job, you know, you got the quarterback, receiver, quarterback, 
thousand, 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 or six, but they never get together. Guess what? They can't work as a team. It won't work. They have to get together and, 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 and kind of learn each other. You know, it may be that, say, just in football, that you got a receiver and you got a quarterback. And there's a certain route you're supposed to run, but that quarterback knows that, I'm just going to use Caleb. When Caleb goes out for that ball, he's supposed to do like that, but he always likes to do this a little bit. Well, you learn that, right? So I know when I throw it, i got to do this a little bit with the ball to get to where they're at. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it's, 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 it's teamwork. It's, you learn each other. You learn how they do. The receiver learns and says, well, you know what? I know when he throws it, it's got a pretty good spin a certain way. I can catch it better. It's the same way in the body of Christ. I know when so-and-so goes out to do this, if we're going to work together, i got to do this this way. i got to show him this. i got to love them this way. i got to help them this way. i got to know that when they do this that they're not going to do it exactly like I do it, but I can input into their lives what I have and what I can share. And together we work as a team. So fellowship promotes teamwork. Being together. That's kind of what fellowship's all about, right? And then the last one in this section is the fellowship builds unity. How can you be united if you don't know each other, right? So we fellowship together, we become united. We become strong. We become um, intent and focused on the purpose that God has for us as a team, as together. As united together. When you, when you get married, you, you're united together. But the longer you're together, the more united you get. The more you can work as a team. Peggy and I work as a team in a lot of different ways. Her, her family does a big Christmas thing. They did it different this year. They did a drive through They do a live nativity scene. And, and, I, and we help. She helps a lot. She just, she's been awake all week. I don't know if she slept much at all. And um, but she and I work together, right? Her family works together. They all work together for it, so it builds unity. Um, so we need to be unified in the spirit. We need to be a team that's unified. You know, there is. Um, let me just read. Let me just say this. Did you know that anything of value takes hard work? There's no easy, free, whatever. You know, people are like, oh, if I could just, let me just go play the lottery every week. And if I win it, then guess what? Well, guess what? If you win it, probably in a few months, you're going to be the same way you were before. Right? And, you know, you don't appreciate anything you don't work for. You do appreciate you don't have to work for salvation. Praise the Lord. You, you, that's Jesus. But what I'm saying is right here on earth we have to, in other words, we have to put something into it to get something out of it. And even in our relationship with Christ, we have to put something in it to get the best value we can get out of it, right? Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? 
Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. He's talking about unity there. He's talking about fellowshipping together and the unity that is in that. Colossians 3, 13 and 14 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love is the glue that holds us together, right? Love is the glue that holds, makes us united. And I found this little thing. I thought it was pretty good. But, you know, um, you know, you can be in union and not be in unity. Listen to this. A comedian once said this. I don't know who the comedian was. I just found There could be union without unity. He said, tie two cats together by their tails and throw them over a clothesline. Well, they're going to be joined together, but they ain't going to be in unity, right? Because they're going to be fighting, trying to get, you got my tail and I got your tail. Who's got whose tail? And there's going to be a mess, right? So just because you're tied together don't mean you're in unity. It takes love. It takes commitment. It takes fellowship, right, to be united as one. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and I just wanted to read this because this is kind of like a, we got that on our cafe out there. This is an awesome scripture that I love. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, some people make all kinds of excuses, right? Not to be, well, you know, I just, it's just easier if I don't do this. It's just easier if I stay at home. They'll have enough people to take care of it without me. You ever heard anybody that? You ever thought that? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't need to be there because, you know, they got so-and-so and so-and-so and they always work hard and it'll work. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to hearing the word, but they also devoted themselves to fellowship, to being with each other, to learn from each other, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. You know, um, when something happens in your life, one of the greatest things is to, to see those friends, to see your family, right? See your church family gather together and rally around you. I'm going to talk about some of the things that we do when we do fellowship. I'm going to start read. I'm going to read Romans 12, 9 through 13 to start with. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager 
to practice hospitality. So fellowship, fellowship includes some activities. It includes activity which promotes, edifies relationships within the church body, both local and abroad. In other words, fellowship is activity. It's an active thing. It's an active word, right? You can't fellowship without doing something. And so um, it promotes relationships. It builds up relationships. What if you never fellowship with your wife? What if you lived in, y'all had houses beside each other and you never, you would never be strong, right? You would never be unified. You'd never be together. You could never accomplish things together. And those, those are all, there are all kinds of things included in fellowshipping. And, you know, they include your friendships, gatherings, groups, whatever activity that you're involved in and, and involved in, in the body of Christ right now I'm talking about. But these are some things that you want to do. I would say you do when you fellowship, and it will promote more fellowship. And you'll want a fellowship, right? Nothing like going somewhere. I ain't going back there no more because nobody cares. You know, it's, it's important how we present ourselves to whoever walks through those doors. Well, nobody spoke to me. When Peggy and I moved to Virginia in 1991, we, went to, we knew we were supposed to go there. We hadn't found a church yet. We visited one church, had about 150 people, maybe. You remember that? She didn't even remember it, though. <laughs> went in there, and it's like we had our three kids and us. They were all small. And I don't even know if anybody hardly even spoke to us. It was the strangest thing I'd ever experienced. Other than I was like, oh. and um, a couple people said, hey, how you doing? And it, it was just nothing. There was nothing for the kids. There was nothing for us. There was just, it was just a different situation. So we left. I said, I don't think that's where we need to go because there ain't no fellowship there. That's what was going into my mind. And then when we went to the church that we ended up at, House of Prayer is now called Hope Point, um, they had about 800 people, and they were the friendliest people. Peggy and I walked in. I actually, I saw a couple that was the first couple that spoke to us when I was in Virginia this week. They were in church, and I went and spoke to them. And I said, I want you to know something. I don't know if you ever knew this, but when Peggy and I came, we were about three or four rows behind you, and they got up immediately and came and spoke to us when we walked in. And I said, that, you know, and then the other people, I'm like, how they had so many people here, and they're greeting us. And we just went to the church, didn't have many, and they didn't even speak to us. So it's, it's, it's a difference. So um, we need to, first of all, when we come to fellowship, we need to make sure, this is kind of added to the, the thing, but we need to make sure we're, we're engaging with everybody that comes in. We don't, we're not an, an, an um, exclusive fellowship, Right? We love a, last week when uh, Pastor Jonathan was speaking, one of the things he said was that we invite everybody in. He said, we love you. We even accept weird people. He said, because I'm weird myself. Right? So, so the first thing I want to say is we, got, we need to love one another. That's a, a very important this whole thing in, in, uh, in verses 9 and 10 in Romans, what I just read. So don't pretend to love others, but really love them. 
right? Oh, yeah, I love you. <laughs> but you know they really don't, right? They just say that because they know that's what they're supposed to say. Really love people. you got to love people whether they're lovely or not. you got to love me whether I'm lovely or not. I have to love you whether you're lovely or not, whether I think you're lovely or not. So we have to love people. And, and you know, as I, I was doing this, I was, I was thinking about that, and especially this morning. How do I really love people? Do I really love people? Do they really know that I really love them? Or do they, when I say that, they feel like, well, you know, he's the pastor. He has to say that, whether he does or not. If I tell you that I really love you, if you know me enough, you know, I don't usually say things I don't mean. At least I don't think I do. I usually, if I tell you I love you, it really means I love you. And it goes on to say, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. So first of all, we got to love one another. we got to learn how to love one another. You might have somebody you have a hard time loving. You say, Lord, you got to give me a way to love them. Because you know what? Sometimes them people, them people, those people stick around. Because God wants to see when you're going to learn to love them. I go, man, you know, I just... Oh, here they come. Maybe if you started really genuinely loving them and say, Lord, I really want to help them, guess what? It might get easier. The second thing it said in there is to honor one another. What does honor mean? It says something weighty, valuable, high esteem, dignity, and respect. Basically, we need to respect one another. We need to respect each other's feelings. We need to respect that they are who they are. They are who God has made them. They, um, that's what they like to wear. I'm not probably going to wear that, but that's what they like to wear. That's what they like to do. That's the way they are. And we might be best friends, but I learned to respect them. You know what? Also, we have to earn respect ourselves. In other words, we have to act like Christ. We need to respect each other because of our actions, because we do act like Christ. There are people in my life that I respect because they've always shown me who Christ was. And I respect them for that. I respect the fact that they love me even though they don't like me. Even though I don't do everything right. Right? You know, I respect the fact that they try to protect you. Did you know that those couple people in this church that try to protect me. And one of the ways is they won't allow me to stick a Image Church sticker on my vehicle. Like, why not? Well, we're protecting the church, really, is what they really do. <laughs> Most of you probably saw it on, if you got social media on Facebook, my youngest sister gave me a T-shirt. And it says, when y'all get in the car with me, respect the fact that I'm a race car driver. <laughs> I don't know why they gave me such a shirt, but they did. <laughs> so, so, but they love me. So we got to honor each other. You know, there's certain people you just really respect, all right? Because of the way their life is. And then the next one is motivate one another. We talked about that a minute ago just a little bit. We got to motivate each other. 
Hebrews 10, 24, again, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. This is the first part. To acts of love and good works. We won't want to motivate them in the wrong way, right? But we want to motivate them to love and to do good works. How do you motivate? There's certain people, certain things motivate them, right? And you have to learn what that is. Uh, if you're in a position of a manager or anything like that, when you have people working for you, you've got to learn what motivates them. We've got to get this job done. What can I do to motivate them? Well, you know, it might be buy, back in the day, it might be buying them a Coke or a Pepsi and giving them at, at break time, doing something special. You know, come in and bring everybody breakfast that morning. Or bring it. Do something to motivate. There are different things you can do to motivate. Some people, but some people you motivate by, look, buddy, you need to do this, and it wakes them up. So we need to motivate. When we come to fellowship together, when we're together, we need to motivate each other to love and the good works. And then this one is not in that scripture that I read in Romans, but we need to worship together. We need to come together in worship. There's a lot of scriptures. I didn't put, but it's just a couple. But there are lots of scriptures about worshiping and coming together and worshiping God. Because we all bring our individual worship, put it together, and, and it, you know, even some places in the Old Testament talks about that God loves the fragrance of the worship of his people. Psalms 34, verse 3 says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name. How? Together. Let's come together and let's worship him. Psalms 103, 32 and Amplified says, Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. So it says, let's come together and exalt God. Let's come together and worship. That's a part of fellowship. That's one of the, the um, things that I love about coming together is being able to worship together. Hearing everybody singing and putting their all into it. Like when we do our uh, encounters, we're all in here worshiping God together, praising God together. There's something about that that, that, that encourages you, that motivates you. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So according to this scripture, singing psalms and hymns together, worshiping together, admonishes each other and teaches each other. It lifts you up. It builds you up. We build each other up by worshiping together. That's why it's important, I think, before you come into worship, to do whatever you can to shake off all that mess that you just had. Sometimes, I know, you come in and that's what shakes it off for you, right? But come in and say, you know what? I'm going to worship God. I, I don't, it doesn't matter what happened last week or last night or whatever. I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to worship him with everything that I have. You know, there's times when you're worshiping, and somebody catches what you got, and you just, it just, like dominoes. Everybody starts to worship. Everybody starts to praise. Everybody wants to give him glory. So we need to worship together. You need to be excited about coming to worship together. You know, maybe you've been 
um, out for a couple of weeks. Or maybe you've been gone somewhere and you come back and it's like, I can't wait to worship with my family. Even though it was good in Virginia, I, this is my family. They're my family too, but this is my homies. You know, <laughs> This is my immediate family. The other thing we need to do is to be gracious to one another. Show mercy, show grace. Be gracious to one another. Um, that's a part of kind of like honoring each other. Be gracious. You know, one of the things I think as far as being gracious is to recognize when someone's not feeling it. And maybe you're not feeling it. <laughs> But learn how to be gracious to them. Yeah, they might come in like a bull in a china shop today, but be gracious to them. Say, you know what? I understand. Just let me hug you. Just let me shake your hand. Just let me do something for you. Be gracious. Learn how to, to give graciously. And, and not just in monetary things, but in who you are, in your, your life, your your, your um Worship together. Be gracious to one another. Um, I've met some people in my life that are very, very gracious. And very, very... Well, I'll just say something about Pastor Stales who was here the other week. And I called him. You know, I told him I might be coming to Virginia. I called him. And he's like, you just call me when you get here. And we can spend all the time together you want to. Because, you know, he's one of those persons in my life that I can glean from and glean wisdom from. And, and so I called him, yeah, come on. Well, he was in the middle of blowing leaves and planting grass. But you know what he did? He put all that down when I, right before I got there, and he was waiting on me. I said, well, you could have told me. He said, no, I told you I'd give you time. So he said, do this. And so we went and had lunch and spent a lot of time together, and it was, it was an awesome time. So he's, he's gracious in that fact that, Hey, when somebody, when you see somebody that comes to you and you think, man, did, and they really, you know, be, be sensitive and learn to be gracious. Because you'd be like, well, wait a minute. I'm not sure. I don't know if I have time for this. Well, you, sometimes you just have to make time. So be gracious to one another. And I want to end with this verse, 1 Peter 3, 8. And this is out of the Passion. Because I like the way it puts it. Now, this is the goal. Now, what's the goal? What is goal? What is a goal? A goal is something you try to achieve, right? The goal line is in football is something you achieve. The basketball goal is something you achieve. The um, hockey goal, that's something you achieve when you're playing sports. But this is the goal. To live in harmony with one another, fellowship, in harmony, right? Being loving one another, being gracious to one another, um, touching their life, and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. So this is the goal for us to live in harmony. This is the goal for us to love one another. This is the goal for us to demonstrate it. Don't just say it. Don't just, well, I really love them in your heart. Demonstrate. It says affectionate love. I know if you 
if you know that they're the people that kind of uh, hug them around the neck. You know, I was always taught this, and, and I try to do this. So, ladies, if, if I just don't walk up to you and give you a hug, it's because I was always taught that the lady leads in that respect. That's just the way I was brought up. It's respect for them that I just don't want to, hey, how are you? Now, there's some people I do that because we just do that, and I know them. But if I meet you, especially for the first time, I'm not going to run up to you and hug your neck necessarily. So that's the goal. Fe- the, the goal in fellowship is to live in harmony with one another, demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers, toward each other. <coughs> Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Wow. That's an awesome statement, right? An awesome statement. Let humility describe that whole, that little scripture is awesome. So what we need to do today is think about where, where, where am I at? Where are you at? Where are we at in that whole fellowship thing, in that whole um, honoring one another, loving one another, um, being gracious to one another? Where are we at in that? Made me think about it. Makes me think about it. What can I do to step up to the next level in that? What can I do? You know, what, one of the things we can do is, is not be so me, my, mine. You know what I'm saying? Me, my, mine. Because you don't really care about other people. There's a lot of people in this world these days are like that. You know, it used to be a song, it's all about you, Jesus. Well, there's some people saying it's all about me. But it's all about him. So, you know, how have you been in your... Um, own personal disciplines. How many how have you been in your study life, your prayer life, your fellowshipping with Jesus? Are you lazy in that aspect? Or do you work hard at it? Do you make it a priority in your life? You know, things happen, I really believe, a lot of times, because we don't make God our first priority. We want to go on and do our own thing, our own way, the way we think we ought to do it. And then if it don't work, we want to ask God to help us fix it. Well, guess what? You probably done messed it up so much, I don't know. I know he can fix anything. But what I'm saying is, if he's first priority, we need to ask him first. Lord, I got this thing coming up. I got a job. I need to do the right job. I need to go to school here. Do I need to go do this here? Do I need to, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever decision you make, he needs to be first priority in it. So have you taken the opportunity? Have you decided, I'm going to be an excited, vibrant Christian that exudes grace and love, especially when I come to fellowship with each other. So when God gave us this vision, and it should be everybody's vision, but serving, fellowshipping, in other words, not just, well, I got to go to church this morning. Guess who's going to be there? I don't like what they wear on Sundays. I don't like the fact that they shave their head. Won't they just let their hair grow out on the side and look funky? 
Why they got this? Why don't they grow a full beard? What's this thing right here? This is all Peggy's fault right here. I can tell you about that sometime. I mean, I don't like the, you know, they wear, they wear shirts with things written on them. I mean, my goodness. As long as it's good things. Especially if you're part of this church, don't come in there with a shirt with bad things on it. Because I might say something to you if I see it. We need to be an example. But I want to read this to you that I found. And, and wow. It spoke to me and it speaks to probably the situation today. And I hope you take this in the right whatever. <laughs> the right spirit. Anybody out there, I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm just, I just thought this was a very interesting statement. And the guy's name is Michael Carl. So if you want to talk to him. But I, I just thought it just popped. It, the way it came, anyway, it says, As church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. You can't serve from your sofa. It's more than just giving money. It's more than just giving your tithe. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on your sofa. You can to a certain extent. Christians aren't consumers. We live in a consumer world, right? We need to make sure we don't make the church a consumer. That that's all it's about. We are contributors. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. I just thought that was interesting in the whole aspect of fellowship. The whole part of the church is we're not just consumers. So let's just get this, and let's do it on our own. And forget. There's something about being together. There's something about fellowship. There's something about teamwork that gets the job done. Amen? I love all you. I love everybody. I just, you know, and I think it's very fitting. We're going to take communion this morning, but this is a way of fellowship and with the Lord and together with fellowship. Hopefully you do this individually sometimes. But when we come together to fellowship, we're, we're, we're thanking Jesus. We're fellowshipping with God. We're giving Jesus the praise and the glory, thanking him for the sacrifice that he made for us. He made physical sacrifice, and he made a spiritual sacrifice, right? He came to this earth, became a human being, felt what it was like to, to be tempted to sin, even though he didn't. But he felt like what it was like. He gave us an example. This is the way you do it. So this morning as we do this, Let's just let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for being our example. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that, that I just clear out my mind and my thoughts and everything and give them all to you, Father God, all those things that I need to just turn over to you so that as we share this time together, this communion, this Lord's Supper, that we realize the sacrifice you made for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sacrificing your body. Thank you for giving up, for coming into your human body, 
and feeling the pressure, the pain, the temptations, allowing your body to be brutalized so that we might be set free, so that you know how we feel in any kind of pain we have. So, Lord Jesus, we do this this morning. As your body was broken for us, we do this in remembrance. And we thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made for us. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we also thank you for the blood that you shed. You became the perfect sacrificial lamb for us, that our sins might be forgiven. We might be delivered and we might be set free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the ultimate sacrifice that we no longer have to bring a sacrifice. You are the sacrifice. Thank you for your blood that saves us and sets us free. We do this this morning in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you this morning. For being who you are. Thank you for our local body, Image Church, this morning. Our fellowship together, our love together, Lord. And I pray for those that would love to be here but can't. We just lift them up to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that someday they will be able to be back. We just reach out our loving arms to them. And we thank you, Lord, for those that are here that we can love each other, fellowship together, become the body of Christ together. We thank you for that. Lord, we give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you.